What do those uh, letters stand for? You guys know. What's B.C.? Before Christ. What's A.D.? Yes. Uh, good, good. I'm, I'm hearing it accurately. Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. What is B.C.E.? Uh, anybody know? Before Common Era and C.E.? Common Era, yes. Okay, so... Um, over the last 15 to 20 years or so, uh, there's been a, a really huge concentrated push uh, to replace B.C., before Christ, A.D., Anno Domini, uh, designations, you know, for historical events and time periods. There's been a, a push to replace that with the B.C.E. and C.E., the Common Era, before Common Era. And the, the reason for that, the advocates of such a switch... Uh, for those those newer designations, they say that they are are better uh, because they are more inclusive. They're more inclusive. Uh, they uh, remove the religious connotation associated with BC and, and AD, um, and it prevents offending. Yeah, because I mean, heaven forbid we do that. It, it it prevents any offending of other cultures or individuals or religions who may not see uh, Jesus as divine or as the promised Messiah or as being Lord like most in the Christian tradition uh, believe or hold to. And uh, that tells us something, certainly, uh, about what they believe related to Jesus. Uh, many of those people, um, you've heard it many times in many different ways, they'll, they'll say things like, you know, Jesus was certainly a wise man. He was a wise teacher um, on the same level as, as Buddha or Krishna or Confucius or any of those great uh, wise people of the ages. He's right there with them. He definitely should be listened to. Um, he's, you know, he's a moral example. Uh, some will even go so far as to say, hey, we recognize him as a prophet, a great prophet. Uh, I mean, the, the Muslim world will say that. Um, he's right below Muhammad, but he's, he's definitely not on the same level as Muhammad. But yeah, we, we revere Jesus as a prophet of God. And uh, others will, will say things along those lines. Um, other people will recognize even that he might be the Messiah, uh, but that all of that and his impact and, and even his very existence really did start in Bethlehem. You know, people will, will stop short of recognizing his, his divinity and his eternality by saying he came on the scene right when you, you, you think that he did as a baby in Bethlehem. December 25th really was his birthday, and that's when the person of Jesus really came on the scene. Um, and we recognize that, and, and we think that you know, his, his Messiah uh, office definitely was genuine, but it started there. He doesn't go any farther back from that. Uh, people will stop short of recognizing his eternal existence. And in all of this, Whatever um, people say or think, whatever they land in relation to Jesus, the, the thing that always comes out, that's always true, that we always need to remember, is what you believe about Jesus is everything. It's everything. All of your life, here and now, physically, on this earth, and after this physical existence on this earth. It all hinges on what you believe about Jesus, what you do with him. Um, all of time hinges 
around Jesus. I mean, you can, you can change the designations from B.C. to B.C.E. all you want, but the ironic thing is everything is still separated and segmented by his incarnation. You, you can call it B.C.E. or B.C., but it still is differentiated by when he came in the flesh. Everything hinges on Jesus. Um, all of life, all of eternity comes down to what you believe about Jesus Christ. Everything. He is everything. And there's no denying that. And there's no um, hiding him or, or his impact. And by connection, it also comes down to what you believe about the Bible and what it says about Jesus. Because if what the Bible says about Jesus isn't true, if you can't in confidence take the Word of God and what it says about Jesus and how it points to Jesus, and if you can't confidently stand on that and that alone, if what the Bible says about Jesus isn't true, if what He Himself said isn't true as recorded in the Bible, then what that means for us is that we can't trust the rest of the Bible. If what the Bible says about the person of Jesus isn't accurate, isn't true, then we can't trust the rest of the Bible. And right along with that, we can't trust God. It all comes down to Jesus. Everything hinges on Him. Everything rises and falls on Him. And what we believe about Him is everything. For us, for everyone else, for all of the world, for all of life, and for all of eternity, it really is all about Jesus. And thankfully, we don't have to be afraid or wonder or full of worry on whether or not we can trust what the Bible says about Jesus. Because what it says agrees with what he himself said, and it's all completely, 100% accurate, trustworthy. All of our weight can rest on it. All of our hopes, all of our trust in this life and beyond, our eternal destiny, our eternal security can rest securely on Jesus and on what the Bible says about him. And we don't need to look anywhere else. You know, I have a a five-year-old almost, he'll turn five uh, next week, and, and it's a wonderful time uh, right around that five-year-old range. You know, there's just, he's exploring so much, he's learning so much, he's discovering something new every day, and it's really especially neat because he's asking a lot of questions about Jesus. It's, it's that, that time of life, right? He's at that age, and it's wonderful, it's beautiful, we love it. He's asking all kinds of questions about who Jesus is, and, and really his, if you'll forgive me, his backstory, you know, of, of what, what Jesus really is all about. And uh, one thing that he's really wrestling with right now is really the, the origin of Jesus. You know, he hears things in preschool here at Greater Beckley Christian School, and he hears things in Sunday school, and he hears what we say at home, and he's trying to reconcile it all in his mind. And so just the other day, he asked my wife, Leanne, he said, so is Jesus his own father? Ah, and it's like, Aiden, that is a question that people have been wrestling with for thousands of years. That is, that is the question, right? And the answer is, is, of course, no, he's not. But then to, to answer why the answer is no, that's a whole other thing. And uh, there's just, there's a lot in there, right? That's a, that's a loaded question and a loaded concept. And the Bible actually 
gives us some, some clues and some hints and some uh, very clear direction in some places on the fact that, that, no, Jesus is not his own father, but he is still equal to his father in every way, in terms of his abilities and his divine nature, his character, his attributes, and his eternal existence. Jesus wasn't at some point born, which means he, he didn't exist for a long period of time, and then all of a sudden he came to being by being born of his Father. That's not the type of father-son relationship that exists between Jesus the Son and, and God the Father. He is eternal, and yet the Son of the Father, eternally the Son. How that all works? <laughs> Yeah, we, we, we're not going to be able to, to pinpoint and dogmatically say, I've got it. This is exactly how all that works out within the Trinity. No, not going to happen. There's still going to be a mystery there. And indeed, there should be a mystery there because we're talking about God. We're talking about the eternal Godhead. And so there's going to be some mystery in terms of how that all works. And I believe for all of eternity there will still be a mystery and we'll glory in that mystery and we'll praise God in that mystery. Don't be afraid of that mystery and don't try to eradicate that mystery because He's God. He's God. And what kind of God would it be if we could figure it all out, right? But in John 1, 1 through 3, we get the curtain pulled back a little bit for us. And we're able to see something about the eternal existence of of Jesus, God the Son, as, it, as he relates to the eternal existence of God the Father, how, how his involvement in creation came about, all that. It's, it's wonderful, it's, it's fantastic, it's monumental, and it's mysterious. John 1, 1 through 1-3. Here's what the Bible says about the person of Jesus, and here's why it doesn't matter whether they refer to uh, the, the time period before the Incarnation as B.C. or B.C.E. because here's the reality of it all. There really is no B.C. There's never a time that was before Christ. Nothing has ever been before Christ. So they can call it whatever they want because Jesus has always been and He always will be. John 1, 1 through 3. Let's look at this together. In the beginning was the Word. And that phrase, in the beginning, what that really means is when the beginning began, the Word was already there. The Word was already existing when the beginning happened. So but before time, there was already the Word. The Word. And the, the Greek word there is logos. So if some of you might use logos software, Bible software, that helps you understand the word, it explains the word to you, that's the root word is, is logos. And, and that means that the word, or logos, was the supreme reason in all the universe. The highest logic, divine logic. He was the ultimate explanation and revelation of all that it means to be God. All that God is, all of his, his invisible attributes and His characteristics, it's explained or revealed through this divine Word who always existed. Even when the, the beginning of time occurred, He was already long in existence before that. Here's what else it says. This Word, this mighty explanation and revelation, divine reason, this Word was with God, and that's speaking of God the Father. He was with Him in shared existence. 
He wasn't the same as God the Father, but he was with them right alongside in eternal fellowship, sharing the same divine nature. In other words, what made God the Father God was also true of the Word, His Son. And, and then we, we know why that's the case. Look at what else it says. This Word was not only in the beginning. This Word was not just with God. Look at what it says. This, this dynamite of a statement. And the Word was God. This Word was very God. And then verse 2. He was with God in the beginning, and again, in fellowship and sharing the same eternal nature, the divine being. And verse 3, all things were created through Him, through the Word. And apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. So here's this mighty Word, this eternal Word of God, revealing and explaining Him in fellowship with Him, sharing the same nature as Him, and through whom the Father willed all of creation to take place. This is really something. This is really quite a being we're dealing with here, right? And we know later on in John's Gospel that this Word became flesh. This this incredible, eternal Word mighty in revelation, mighty in creation, took on, wrapped around himself, human flesh. And John says he, he took up a tent and dwelt among us. He camped his tent with us. He tabernacled with us. Looking back to the Old Testament, when, when in the, the wilderness there was a tabernacle set up, and yet as, as meager as that was, God would still come down and dwell among his people. And John is saying, now there is a permanent tabernacle. God Almighty has chosen a tabernacle amongst us, with us, dwelling with us. And we have beheld, we've seen, we've witnessed his glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. We've seen Him. We've, we've slept next to Him. We've eaten with Him. We've, we've ran with Him. We've heard from Him. And His name is Jesus. And Jesus, all throughout His earthly ministry, revealed who and what the Father was. That's why He's always been the Word. He always points to the Father and says, you want to know what the Father is like? Look to Me. You want to know what the Father thinks and how He feels? Listen to Me. That's why He told Philip right before He was getting ready to go to the cross and and go back to His Father. And Philip said, oh, Jesus, before you go, just show us the Father. That'll be enough for us. And Jesus said, Philip, are you kidding me? I've been with you this long and you still say, show me the Father? Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've heard from me, you've heard the Father. He wasn't saying, because I am the Father. That's not what he was saying. He was saying, my nature is identical to the Father's nature. My character is identical to the Father's character. My will, it's not even my own. It's identical to what the Father wills. So if you look to me, you're seeing a picture of the Father. Hebrews 1 tells us that the Son is the radiance of the Father's glory and the exact imprint of His very nature. So we don't need to look any farther than Jesus to see the full revelation of God the Father. 
And that's what Jesus always has done. Even in the Old Testament, when he appeared before Bethlehem, he appeared several times all throughout the Old Testament in that historical period as the angel of the Lord. And every time he spoke with the full authority of one who is God, he was worshipped as God by the people who saw him, and he didn't stop them like angels did when they were worshipped. They said, no, 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 don't worship me. I'm not God. Jesus appearing pre-incarnation accepted worship as the one that, that was God and only God could accept. And he said the same kinds of things that were always heard from God. And so Jesus has always been the same person and he's always had the same role, revealing God in all accuracy and all glory. It's what Jesus always does. And a great companion passage to what we see here in John 1, 1 through 3 is Colossians 1, 16 through 17. I love this passage. Colossians 1, 16 through 17 says this, Paul writing, and he says, For everything was created by him, by Jesus, by the Son, in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible. That means down to the molecular level. That Jesus didn't just create the stars and the planets and didn't just create the trees and, and the mountains and the rivers and all that. He, he actually intricately, artistically created things down to the molecular level. And the more and more we find out about molecules and atoms, we find out there's an entire universe in the midst of, of the atoms and the molecules and all the things we can't see. I mean, worlds in and of themselves. And Jesus created them all. Did it all. Not just the visible and the invisible, not just the physical things that you see all around us, but look at what else, what else this says. He also, whether they be thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, Jesus created and instituted that too. You, you, you have a problem with government? You have a problem with authority? Well, you're going to have a problem with Jesus because he's the one who created that too. Jesus actually brought about the institution of governance. He brought about human authority. That was his design. That was his idea. He came up with it. Government may be filled with, with men and women and, and um, uh, people that are full of flaws and failures, but that doesn't mean that government or authority itself is a bad thing or a corrupt thing. We might bring corruption into it, but it has its origin in Christ himself, the, the perfect creator. He came up with it. Then he says this, all things, you can think of something that, that comes under the umbrella of all things. All things have been created through him, through Jesus, and for him. In other words, all of creation exists as a, a, a way of bringing glory to the creator Jesus. The goal of creation is Jesus and his glory. We need to remember that. That should be our goal too. The, the goal and aim of our existence should not be elevating ourselves, bringing glory to ourselves in what we do or what we go after. No, the goal of our existence and whatever we find our, our, our hands to put to and whatever, whatever we find to do and whatever talent or gift or ability we have, as a believer in Christ, the entire goal and aim of our existence should be what creation exists to do, which is to bring glory to Creator Jesus. Because it all existed 
for him. It all came about for him. Then verse 17 says this. I love, love this verse. He, Jesus, is before all things. Think back to John 1, 1. You know, in the beginning was the word. He was already existing. He is before all things. And by him, all things hold together. Remember, I I just talked about that molecular and, and atom level of creation. You know, that all it would take for everything we see around us and know as existence and life to, to go away, to, to vanish, would be for all the atoms and the molecules to just split, to come apart. That, that's really what creates the nuclear explosions. That's all it takes, is the splitting, the, the disintegration of atoms and molecules. And so what this means, that Jesus is holding all things together, that all of life and all of matter, that you sitting here right now, the reason you're still together, alive and breathing, the reason that that we have a world to walk on, that it's not just exploding all around us, is because Jesus didn't just create it, He's actually sustaining it. He is holding it up. He's holding it together. He, Jesus, is the divine glue that's keeping everything together and functioning. He's the one that's keeping it all going. I don't know if you know this or not, but while you were sleeping, while you were sleeping, there was an asteroid that was hurtling precariously close to the earth. And this asteroid was the size of a skyscraper. Um, the astronomers looking at this thing believed that it was actually as wide as the, the Trade Center, the World, the World Trade Center. And it was so close that with a fairly decent telescope, you could actually see it as it passed last night, early this morning and, and uh, late uh, Friday night as well. The fact that it didn't hit us, that you're still here and I'm still here, Um, shows us that this verse is absolutely, constantly true. That he's holding all things together. That that even the, 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 the universe, the outer space and the asteroids and and meteors and all those things, that they still operate according to His command, His will, His sovereignty, His hand, and His power. Nothing happens outside of His control, outside of His power, outside of His his command and His operating. That's That's the Creator we have. All these things that could go wrong, if they don't go wrong, let's praise Him for it because it means He kept it from happening. I mean, the fact that earth is within just a few little degrees exactly in the right position to avoid being either too cold to where we would all freeze to death or too hot to where we'd all burn up. It's exactly in the right place in orbit down to the tiniest degree. Oh, but that's just chance, right? That's just coincidence. I mean, that's just what happened out of the result of nothingness. Right. Man, you know, evolutionists, um, <laughs> they, uh, they would make excellent comic book writers, and many of them are, um, and, and it's either that or they have a whole lot more faith than what I have, <laughs> um, because I, I find a much easier and much more accurate solution to be exactly what this is saying right here, that He, the Creator, is before all things, and by Him all things hold 
together. And here's what all that means for us practically. Here's what that means for you and me, uh, just right where you are right now, today. You know, here's, here's the, the real-time, day-to-day impact of that very lofty reality. If Jesus can keep the universe from falling apart, he's able to keep your world together. If Jesus is able to keep the universe from falling apart, flying off the rails, if he's able to keep asteroids from crashing into earth, if he's able to keep us from spinning off our axis and floating out into oblivion, if he's able to keep our sun from burning up, if he's able to keep everything in your body working the way it should to give you breath, if he's able to get you to and from in the midst of horrible traffic full of people that don't know how to drive, if he's able to keep all that stuff going day in, day out, another day coming, another day going, if he's able to do all that, then listen to me, believer. He's got you. And he's got what you're going through. And he's got this thing called life. He's got it. He's got it. He's on the job, and more importantly, he's on the throne over all of creation, over all the universe, over all of time, over all of eternity. We've got to get it into our heads that that means we're okay too, and we're going to be okay. Look, I, I know that from time to time, it feels like your world is collapsing down around you. I get that. I, I feel that from time to time, okay? Okay. I know what it is to to feel like and for it to seem like life is unraveling at the seams all around you. And and maybe that's how you feel today. I I don't know. Maybe you came in with that kind of a weight on you. I, I know that life can be incredibly difficult and challenging and discouraging. I know that marriages hit rough patches and rocky spots and it feels like There's an an asteroid coming right at your marriage and there's nothing you can do about it. I know what it is to be in financial uh, difficulty where you you literally don't know where the next amount of money is going to come from to either buy groceries or pay that very large past due bill and and how you're going to make it from day to day. I know what that's like. I've been there personally. And it feels like this huge looming asteroid coming right at you and like the universe is just exploding all around you. I know what it is to have a loved one one that you cherish that is is losing a battle uh, against a disease that you never saw coming, and despite your belief and faith and earnest prayer, nothing is changing, and despite all you believe and hope, they still go away from you. I know what that's like to have your world come crashing down because of that. I know what that's like. And so if, if you're feeling like that, I get it. But beyond me getting it, I mean, that's, that's what? That, okay, thanks, Pastor. I appreciate that. What does that do? Beyond me understanding where you're coming from, you have a Creator and a Savior, a lover of your soul, who understands where you're coming from, who truly felt what it was to have His world come crashing down around Him, Because for all of eternity, remember John 1, what we just read at the beginning. For all of eternity, he enjoyed a perfect fellowship with his Father that was unaltered, unaffected by anything. He and the Father were completely one in their relationship. A love that we can't even fathom. A union that we can't understand. 
That's what he, he knew for all of eternity. But then on the cross, as he hung there dying for you and me, the creator of, of everything, of all of life, became the Savior to, to give us life. He hung there on the cross and he heard his Father and he saw his Father say, I can't look at you. And he, he, he felt what it was to have his Father turn away from him because of the sin of the world, the sin of of my life and of yours being put on him so that for the first time in all of eternity, the son actually felt abandoned by his father. And all of the sin of creation fell on the creator, all to ransom creation. And this, this same Creator and this same Savior who holds everything together, who sustains all matter right now, He's able, he's able to keep your world together. That means you can trust Him. It means you don't have to wonder if He's going to be there. He will be. He always has been. There's never a time where we will go to Him and, and we'll see something other than what He's always been. There's never going to be a time where he's different from how he's always been for all of eternity. There's never going to be a time where he dropped the ball, where his amazing ability and sustaining power failed. Never going to be a time where that happens. That means we can always trust him, always depend on him, fully, completely. John eight fifty six through 58 kind of points to, to that aspect of Jesus, the fact that as he's been, he always will be, that he's the same person, the same character, uh, that he doesn't change. So not only is he the creator of the world, not only is he, is he the, the sustainer of the world, but he is someone unlike anyone else will ever find in all of life, in all of our relationships, he is always consistent. He's the one universal constant. John eight fifty six or 58, there's this dialogue between Jesus and the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, and once again, they're at it. You know, they're going at it. There's confrontation. And the, the Jewish leaders, the religious leaders are touting their heritage. They're saying, we are children of Abraham. Abraham is our father. You don't get any better than that. And Jesus says this in response, verse 56, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. He looked ahead and he saw my coming, is what he's saying. He, he knew that, that, that I, the Messiah, was going to come. And he rejoiced at it. He praised God for it. And here's what the, the response was, verse 57. The Jews replied, you aren't 50 years old yet. And you've seen Abraham? Really? Oh, okay. You're not even, you're not even 40. And you, you say you've seen Abraham and he saw your day. Okay, yeah. And here's what... Uh, Jesus responded to that with. Verse 58, Jesus said to them, Truly, I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. That's the, that's the Old Testament name that God gave Moses at the burning bush. That's Yahweh. Incidentally, it's the person of Jesus that actually appeared to Moses in the burning bush. Go back and look in Exodus and you'll see that that's totally undisputable, that he was the one that appeared uh, to Moses. And he gave that great name, I am. When, when Moses said, what do, I, what do I tell the people when they ask, who have you seen and who have you heard from? What God have you, what, have you been talking to? Who is this God that sent you to us? God said, tell them, I am has sent you. That's Yahweh. It's God Almighty. What that means is, as I am, I have always been and always will be. 
That's, that's what's wrapped up in that. I, I will always be the same. Consistent. All the time. And so Jesus here says, I am. I am the same God of the Old Testament. I'm the same God that Moses saw. I'm the same God that Isaac saw. I'm the same God that Jacob saw. I'm the same God that, that all of your prophets pointed to and talked about. I'm the same one. And they knew what he was saying because the next couple verses, they picked up stones to stone him for blasphemy. They recognized he was identifying himself with God. But to us, that's tremendously encouraging and comforting to know that. Because what that means, what Jesus said here to the religious leaders, and by him being the great I am, what that says to us is what Hebrews 13.8 reminds us of. Hebrews 13.8 says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday in the past, in history, today, in the present, right here and now, and forever. That means in the, in the unlimited future. All that is unknown to us is known to Him, and He's going to be the same. He's the same as He was at creation and before creation. He's the same as He was all through history. He's the same in the unknown future that's unknown to us. Jesus Christ is always the same person. He's the same God He's always been. He's the same Creator, Sustainer, and He's the same Savior. That is great encouragement and comfort to us. It should be. Because we don't find that anywhere else. No matter where you look, I hope that you have a a reliable, consistent family full of loved ones around you that you can depend on and trust. And, And that's great. But at some point, they will let you down. They are not strong enough to hold the weight of all your hope. And every time we put all of our hopes in or on other people, we act shocked when they fail to deliver. It's like, why can't you hold up the weight of all my hope? And the fair question is, well, why can't you? Because the, the same can be said of us. We let each other down. No matter how much we don't want to, no matter how good and noble our intentions are, we aren't suitable to hold the hopes of each other. You certainly can't find it in, in the political world. I mean, my goodness, you don't have to look very hard to figure that out. That can't hold my hope. You, don't, you can't look at health because of how quickly that can leave you, how fleeting that is. You can't look at wealth because it doesn't take much really to have that go poof, right? No, Jesus is the only constant in all of life and all of time and in all of eternity. And he's the only one who will always be able to shoulder our hopes and our trust. There will never be a time, not even one moment, when Jesus is not exactly the same person as he's always been for all of eternity. That means we can always trust him. We can always depend on him. We can always hope in him now and forever. And if you know that truth, keep coming back to that truth. Keep remembering it. Keep recalling it to your mind and heart because we're so quick to forget it. We're so quick to be distracted by that. Jesus is holding all of the universe together. And if he can keep all of the universe together, he can keep your world from falling apart. And as you remember that and trust in that, go tell someone else because everyone else out there is looking for that in life. They're looking for it in their experience. They're looking for it in the world and they're not going to find it because it's only found in Jesus. Let's pray. Thank you.
Jesus, for who and what you are. Thank you that we don't have to fret over what historical designation is used, whether it's B.C. or B.C.E. or something else that we haven't even heard of. And even though it's right to recognize your amazing incarnation, though it's right to honor that where you came to earth and tabernacled among us, it's right to celebrate far beyond December 25th. Thank you for the overarching reality that there is truly no B.C. There is never a time that was before you. And there will never be a time after you. You are the one constant in all of eternity. May that fill our hearts with hope and encouragement, and may it also motivate us to go out and consistently, boldly, passionately point other people to that truth and reality. Because there's a world hungry for that truth and dying without it. Help us in this, I pray. In your name, Jesus. Amen.